Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host, and you're listening to episode 184. In today's episode, I have invited back a guest who's been on the show actually a couple of times, but it's been a while. And he came out with a project um, as the time of this recording. He launched it yesterday. I had to have him back on the show because when we first started off, he uh, had a small little project, started off small. He's the perfect example that I want you as my listener to learn from how you can use this idea of building line upon line, precept on precept, where you just take a small project and leverage it into a bigger and bigger and bigger one. And now he's doing some really cool stuff. So my guest, I want to welcome Robert Burke to the show from Robert Burke Games. Robert, thanks for joining me. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You like that intro? That was, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was great. So You're a pro. I've been doing this for a while. Don't try this at home. Uh, <laughs> You'll pull a muscle. Yeah. Uh, so we've been, we have been, it's been a while. Um, we talked sometime last year. What was your last project on Kickstarter? My last one was the offensive band name generator. I missed that one. What was the one before yeah. that? Uh, the one before that was, what was the one before? <laughs> Battle for Souls. Yes, that one I remember. How many have you done on Kickstarter now? Uh, I think I've done eight now. Okay. So you're one of, you're, you're entering into that group of, uh, people who've been doing it for a while and now are starting to get pretty good at it. You think you're pretty good at it? I learn something every time I do a project. That's for sure. And, and I I do it a little bit incorrectly because I I develop my games based on an idea I have. And usually my idea is a totally different market than the one previously. So, right. So, so it's kind of like it's, you start over, right? You're starting right. over. But exactly. what's, what's been fascinating because, yes, um, what was it called? Cartuna? Was that what it was called? Correct. Yep. Cartuna was where you and I kind of first met. Uh, you sent me a prototype of that game. My daughter loved it. But at the time, I think she was six. Now she's eight. And it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a couple of years ago. And what I've watched over time is every time you and I talk is that you're, this is getting a little bigger uh, in your life, a little bigger. You've talked about how you suddenly – your wife kind of gave you permission to – every time you'd throw off one of these ideas to say, hey, just go put it on Kickstarter. Yeah, that's the answer now. Uh, you can actually go do it. How much of your time are these Kickstarter projects taking? Well, I think – Developing the game takes more time, but it's perfect because when you're, you know, when you're designing a game, you can kind of fit it in wherever you want to fit it in. You know, you don't have to work a set schedule. Um, and then when you build the Kickstarter project, you get to build it all ahead of time and do all the legwork. And I've kind of learned that as you're developing the game, you need to be marketing the game at the same time. So you need to be pushing it out, not just to your play test group, but out on BGG and sharing stuff and finding the art and, and posting it. So people are start to follow the project. So you can kind of, I'm kind of learning that as you develop the game, you can pick up people who might be interested in it. So when you do launch the Kickstarter, you're in a, you know, you're in a better position. Right. Cause one of my sayings is, is that crowdfunding, it's, it's more about the crowd than it is about the funding. Yep. And over time now, you have started – and this kind of comes back to you having to start over because you're not really uh, building the same theme type things. But how much of your time does Robert Burke Games take? You have a regular job, don't you? I do, yeah. I have a full-time job. So this is kind of my hobby my thing. On, yeah, it's, it's still a hobby for me. So Well, you la- launched a project yesterday that got my attention. So let's talk about real quick a Draco Magi. Right. 
Okay, you're running it for less than four weeks, three and a half weeks. And what caught my attention was having known you now for a couple of years and seen your projects, this is stunning artwork. Stunning to the point where I stopped and went, holy cow, I need to call Robert because that is amazing artwork. So let's talk about that. Um, I, I've been talking with uh, Jamie Stegmeyer and some other folks about this ecosystem that's starting to build up around Kickstarter. And two years ago when you and I first met, I don't think this would have been possible, this level of artwork for your project. Is that correct? I don't know if I've seen this level of artwork on Kickstarter yet. I don't know, and I think I kind of lucked out. And the game wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this artwork because I, I was developing this abstract strategy game, and at the time I wanted to do a, a really simple, not a micro game, but something that would be like 52 cards, right, that I could sell very inexpensively. And then I found this artist's dragons. His name is Karem Bayet. He's out of Turkey, and he's done a lot of work for big companies, Blizzards, uh, Blizzard Entertainment, Wizards of the Coast, you know, Disney, LucasArts, and these dragons, they just, they absolutely oh. blew me away. They're, 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 yeah, they're stunning. They are stunning. And so I was like, I'm going to make a game with those dragons. My abstract game is going to be a dragon game because it was abstract. I could have really pasted anything on it, right? So, so I got in touch with him, um, just expecting to be blown off. And, uh, he, you know, he wrote me back. And I found out that the dragons, you know, they the licenses were available, um, and it was expensive. But I was like, you know what? Here, I'm going to give you seed money to just use these in prototypes, right? So I got the, the the rights to do the prototypes and started testing the game, and that's when I played it with Richard Launius, who you know did Arkham Horror, and, right? Um, yep. Yeah, so and and he loved the game, but he I, you know we he played it with me, and the first time he's like, Robert, this is a solid game, but you know I don't feel like dragons are fighting. So, so we started from that day on, and this was about last year, last year about this time, uh, we started working on this project together, and so it evolved from an abstract strategy game to a real thematic strategy game where you really feel like. The dragons are fighting now. So everything just kind of fell in place for this one for me. Okay. So I appreciate that you just said that, but I don't buy that. And that is everything just fell in place because there's a lot of people out there with abstract um, games there. Are they going to get uh, Richard Lannis suddenly to start going jointly with a project with them? How come you got Richard to go in jointly with a project with you? I don't know. It's not because I'm good looking or anything. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I went to uh, GnomeCon in Savannah and my friend Steve Avery was there. I you know, know Steve. He, Steve, he's a great guy and yeah. um, a fun guy and he's really good friends with Richard, right? So I met Richard through Steve at the convention. We had a great time. We were playing games and all this stuff and I finally got up the nerve to like, hey, Richard, will you play this prototype? And he was totally, yeah, I'll play it. And, uh, and but, he liked it. But liked moving, it, I was just, it feels like luck to me, really. But to, right. But to move from, hey, I liked your prototype to, hey, I'm going to put my name on this game. Uh, really? I mean, so, I mean, I hate to say that, but there's a couple of principles that we're passing on to our listeners right now. That is, one, show up to cons. Right. Two, overcome your fear. They're just people. Right. Three, um, if you've got a solid product, you know, you don't have to do this by yourself. Yeah, all good points. And and I learned so much from the collaboration because it really forced this development process between the two of us, you know. And I 
And, the, you know, there were things that I didn't like that he did like and things he did like that I didn't like. And it really made sure that we honed the game until we were both satisfied with it. But, um, but yeah, it was, it, everything just worked out. It was just, uh, very, so, it was felt lucky to me that it all happened the way it did. All right. So we'll, we'll just keep letting you say that, but then we're going to go over, <laughs> we're going to go over to the artwork. The, right. I mean, now you approached a, a established artist with a high quality, uh, intellectual property and you, I mean, was it just a simple money transaction? Didn't he have any concerns about your ability, what you were going to do with his art? Meaning he didn't want to put his art on something that sucked to be basically big blunt. Yeah, no, that, that never really, really? came he, up. I, just, yeah. I think he pretty much, you know, yeah, show me those, the money. He, yeah, basically it was like, you know, those, those images are available for worldwide licensing and, and here's the prices. And, and as you was, said, it was, was expensive, yeah. but yeah, but because now, so this comes back to what I talked about in your introduction. That is, you now have a track record, you have a following, you have a base of people, you've got a, a, a fairly well-known name associated with this game. So the risk of spending that money to was lower, was yeah. much lower. And also I got to believe that some of that money, I'm not talking about your personal finances, but you've had some successful projects. So you've kind of got this, this, the pump has been primed, so to speak, to kind of get this system going, right? Yeah, I've got a you know I've got a mailing list now, and every every project that I do, I, I get it gets a little bigger, you know. So that's good. So I I feel like I'm kind of building a foundation um, to do future games, which is really great. Well, so I've had some guests on Uva Eichert um, from Academy Games, who has talked about his mailing list and building that. Jamie Stegmeyer has talked about his. Um, so in this case, you've got this project has been up for how long? Twenty four hours. Uh, about 37 hours, now, 37 hours. Something You've like raised yeah. $10,000, 10,500 thereabouts. But the key one is you've got 515 backers. Right. And so uh, another thing, I think, I think we're doing something very unorthodox here. And actually Jamie kind of wrote me a little note on Facebook. Um, and it sounds like he's getting ready to do something similar. But I, I'm also working with Cool Stuff Inc. on this on this game, so they're going to be. It's on their homepage right now, Draco Magi. So they're going to be helping me distribute it and all that. But what we decided to do is not do any exclusives in this project. And I know that's a huge contention point yeah. for a lot of people who back Kickstarter. Some people love them, some people hate them. Jamie and I've um, been talking about it on our show. Yep. Yep, and I, I listened to that podcast, and you know the the Dice Tower Showdown actually did a a showdown on that and, and this is on board game geek right it was where they were voting on it but the vast majority were against the kickstarters or not the, the exclusives on the kickstarters explain that again hang on that sounded confusing say that one more time yeah yeah so on the dice tower showdown uh they did they did this topic you know on that that show they kind of take a topic and they have right. for and against and they argue about it but the majority of people were against exclusives on Kickstarter. Don't do exclusives. Don't do exclusives. They didn't. They don't like it because if they miss the Kickstarter, they feel like, well, you know, I don't want the game now because it's incomplete. Right. And Richard really steered me in this direction too because he's really anti-exclusives because he really feels it's bad for the designer for the sales after the Kickstarter. And Jamie, for the same reason. And we talked about how it actually it might help your project, but it harms your brand and your company. Right, right. So instead, what we've decided to do 
is we worked really hard to find the manufacturing on this this project, and we're offering the game for fifteen dollars. So we're basically selling it direct to anybody who backs it for a tiny bit over the wholesale price, what the wholesale price is going to be once it goes out into the marketplace. So that's the kind of hook that we're going to try to present to people to get them to click that that green button. Since we don't have exclusive, we, we felt that was a way we could go that wouldn't hurt anybody and would let us make the game better if if the if the you know if the funding goal runs. So so, that, so most fine. Kickstarter projects for games put the close to retail price up there. Yeah. And or more. Or, more. or more. If you want the exclusives, right? Yeah, and you're putting up the wholesale price because that, that was going to bring up my next question is that cool there's another argument that's cool stuff inc and 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 these guys people don't like the fact that okay ogre i'm thinking of i pay a hundred dollars for ogre on kickstarter but within a week it's on cool stuff inc at 60 bucks right and yep. so why did i back it on kickstarter uh for the exclusives for the exclusives that's oh right. man all right so it seems to be working because you're sitting at you were looking for fifteen thousand dollars. You're sitting at ten thousand dollars within the first thirty hours. You've got, but you also did a shorter time frame here because you've only got twenty three more days to go. What was the thought process there? Well, you know, I've done so many projects now, and you know, you know that you that happens where you got that dead space in the middle, and it's like Always. it's just not. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's just you're adding a lot of stress and trouble. So I really want to see how short I can make that time frame, so I don't have to deal with that aggravation and, and nail biting that happens in the in the middle of a project. Well, and I, you and I talked earlier about that middle of that project. I get asked so often by so many people, "Hey, I'm in the middle of my project and I've hit a dead spell. What can I do?" And right. yet, when I go back to him, there's. There's, and people who listen to the show regularly will hear me ranting again. There seems to be so little sense of urgency on their part to do anything to, to turn that around. It takes work. Right. But it also yeah. takes a lot of work before you even get to that point. And that sounds like – I want to talk about that real quick because that sounds like something that you've just done. You hinted at it. I want to come back to it. And that is as you're building the product and designing the game, you're also building this following that's anticipating the game hitting Kickstarter, and they're ready to pledge right then. What is it that you're doing to kind of tap into that to drive some awareness of the project? Well, you see, that's another thing where this artwork that was so great for this project really helped me so much. Because people, when they see this artwork, they want to know more about it, right? So that drew a lot of people to my Facebook page for this game. I also you know, ran ads on Facebook to draw uh, people to the Facebook page. And right now, I think, let me check, I, the Facebook page now for Draco Magi, I think we've got a 1,100 and something, 1,150 fans or something like that. How long, and so, how long has it been up? Well, it's been up for probably a year or something. So, I mean, and I've been throwing, the, well, maybe not a year, but on my website, I've been talking about the game on my website, and then I created the Facebook page. Uh, you know, showed some, uh, set up the BGG page for the game. So I continued as I got artwork, as we got card designs done with my graphic designer, I would put those out there. I would talk about the design process. I wrote some blogs about, you know, how Richard and I were developing the game and how we came to some conclusions on the mechanics that we ended up with. That kind of stuff, just to show people the process on how it's happening. So they start to follow it and become more interested in it. So 
that's mostly what I did with Draco Magi is just start putting stuff out there for people to see. Well, it seems, like I said, it seems to have paid off. Um, cause, and the other thing, there is no shortcut, is there? No, there's really, there's really, there's really not. I mean, I think you've got to have, like you said, you've got to have the crowd first. You have to have the audience first before you launch if you really want to be successful. I'm sure there's exceptions, right? But I don't think there's many if there are. So, so now that you've launched and this thing's going like gangbusters, do you have, how have you planned out the next three weeks of the campaign? Anything unique to make sure you avoid kind of that uh, mid project yeah. slump? Yeah, well, we, we shortened, I shortened the campaign to, t- to 24 days. So, and, and the first week here, basically all I've done is send out an email to my newsletter, uh, to about the people on my mailing list, and I have ran a contest on my Facebook page. So if people go to the Facebook page, they can like the certain post and share the post. And if they do, they're entered to win eight games that were, you know, that are games by myself or by Richard. There's Arkham Horror, Eldritch Horror, Ace Detective, Cartoon, A Battle for Souls. It's a bunch of games. Um, so that contest was a reason for people to share uh, the project. So that's that's really worked out well. I think that's been shared about 200 times now. Starting next week is when Cool Stuff Inc. is going to send out their newsletter. And then on the 7th, we're going to run a BGG contest as well. And that's when our advertising, our banners and stuff on BGG are going to kick in. So we're really hoping that marketing would really help get more eyeballs on the project in that dead part um, in the middle. Uh, that BGG what, uh, advertising, though, that's going to be kind of expensive, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but I'm all in on this project. All yeah. in. <laughs> You're quitting your day job. This one's going to no. <laughs> I'm not quitting my day job. but This one's not pushing all, you over the top. We're all, we're all in it. We're just confident in this one because the game we love, the game is great. Everybody who's played the game has loved it. The artwork is first class. Spectacular. It's, you know, we can sell it for a really good price. So I mean I, I really we have faith in it so we're gonna we're gonna get behind it every way we can. And as we wrap up the last uh, minute or two uh, on the artwork, do you have the ability to sell the artwork to sell the artwork um, outside of the game, or is it just limited to the game itself? Uh, you know what, the contract is specific to the game, but I haven't asked the question, um, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. a good question. <laughs> Because I know that you, you go to a con, you got the game at a con, and then you, behind you, you've got, oh, you know, 20 bucks, and you can take the poster with you. Right. You don't want to ship the posters. We've already gone down that path of – Oh, oh I know. Right. You I don't know. you don't want to be shipping posters or T-shirts. No. Especially to Brazil. Uh, yeah. Especially to Brazil. Uh, <laughs> um, Robert, this has been awesome. Thank you for taking a few minutes to share with us some of the things that you've been learning. Uh, it's been great to watch your success over the last couple of years as you've – it's just – it's just emerging. I know at some point you're going to be able to quit that day job and uh, your wife's going to be wondering the wisdom of her encouraging you so much to, to do this Kickstarter thing. Wouldn't that be great? That would be, awesome. wouldn't it? All right. Thanks again. Thanks, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My guest has been Robert Burke with Robert Burke Games. We've talked about his current project, Draco Magi, and how successful it has been and some of the steps that he's taken to make sure that it is successful before he even launched. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I know I always do, particularly from Robert. So thanks for listening. We're looking forward to seeing your project on Kickstarter so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.